This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Just as we're in this atmosphere and in the presence of God, I want to talk to you about our better covenant. God said this, but this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. We can see him saying that with his people. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. The world at the moment is looking for fulfillment. The world is searching to belong. The world is looking for what God has always intended to be. And that is for Him to be our God and for us to be His people. And so those that are not in that place will keep searching until they find what we know and what we have. Just think about it or just look at the desire from God, the passion and the determination in the Scripture. He's saying, this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. He is determined that that will be our state. He is determined that we will serve Him. He is determined to be our God. This is His divine will. I mean, you just see the word will all over the scripture. This is His divine will, His desire to offer salvation to mankind. Why was God so passionate about this? Because there used to be a covenant in place. There used to be an agreement in place between God and the people. And so God actually found a flaw in that covenant. And do you know what the flaw was? The flaw was the people. That covenant required them. There was a condition in their obedience to His law. That was the only way that this covenant could be in place as if they kept the law and the ordinances that were put in place in the Old Testament. And so when God saw this, man was not able to keep his side of the agreement. We wouldn't be able to keep our side of the agreement if that is what God required of us. They were rebellious and their hearts had become like stone, the Bible says. And so here in, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7, it says, God goes on to say this after He said, you know what? I'm going to put a new covenant in place. I'm going to do something different. I am determined to be with my children. He said, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. So God is saying it was necessary because there was a problem with the first covenant. And it goes on and it says, but when God found fault with the people, He said, and He goes on to announce this new covenant that He is going to put in place with you and me. But this is something that we need to understand is that we are no better than those people. Do you understand that? It's not about us being better. It's that our covenant is better. 
And why is that significant? Because all glory has to go to God. It's still just about Him. It's not about man. He deserves all the glory. And you know, the other thing is that even though God saw that a new covenant was necessary, He said that He would put a better covenant in place with better promises. And it isn't going to get any better than this. He has put the best in place. You know, women would joke and say that God, when He created Adam, He then created Eve. And after creating Eve, He stopped creating people because He saw He couldn't do any better. That's where the women have to come in and shout Amen. And that's what God did with our covenant. When He put this new covenant in place, the way that it was designed is that it could never improve from what He has done. Imperfect people being the problem was never going to change. God knew that. He couldn't require man to become any better. He knew that that was never going to happen. So God had to find a way to deal with their hearts because they had grown cold and they had grown distant. And sin really was this thing that prevented God or sin prevented God from accessing their hearts. That was the issue really. He couldn't get into their hearts because sin still prevented that from happening. There was a temporal measure that God had put in place. And that was that animals were killed and their blood was used to atone for the sins of the people. Their blood was used to pay the price, so to speak, for their wickedness and for their uh, hardened hearts and for that uh, uh, relationship that man never really had, that solid relationship that God so desperately wanted. The blood of animals was used as a temporal measure. But the problem of sin would always be there. So God, He needed to get into our hearts. He needed to get to our hearts. But in order for Him to do that, He needed to take care of sin once and for all. Then He could dwell in man. So His desire was always to be together with us. And He was prepared to go to whatever length was necessary to take the problem out of the way because we could not overcome it so that He could be with us. And what was that way? Jesus was that way. He was the true Lamb. The new covenant would be a personal covenant. It wouldn't be etched in stone. It wouldn't be written on stone and people had to adhere to that. God was, He was ready to get personal with you and I. And so how would He do that? He said that I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Can you see who's doing all of the work here? It's God. He's doing everything. And I will put my spirit in you, God says. And I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. God would change us from within. There wouldn't be an external change required. And that's what the people from the Old Testament were after all the time. It was all about what were they doing on the outside. When the Pharisees were uh, speaking to Jesus and saying, why are your disciples not washing their hands? Why are they not doing all of these external behaviors that would give us a right standing 
with you. Jesus said it's not about what happens on the outside. It's about what happens on the inside. And he wasn't, he wasn't expecting us to create the change on the inside. He made the change on your inside. He put His Spirit inside of you. He took out the hard heart and put in the heart of flesh. He was the one that did it. This new covenant that God get that this new covenant that God would put in place would be a drastic covenant. He says in Hebrews 8:12, he says, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. That's the new covenant that God has put in place for you and I. He says that he will never again remember our sins. You see, in the old agreement, the sins could not be forgotten. They could only be covered. But God wasn't interested in the sin. He didn't want that to be an issue. So he took it away. We can enjoy that today. The first covenant depended on the faithfulness of man to keep the, co- the commandments of God. The new covenant is dependent on the faithfulness of God to keep his promises to us. It's God's decision and his desire and his will to forgive us of our sin and to never remember them again. It's God's decision to do that. We didn't coax him into it. We didn't beg him for it. We didn't go onto our knees. None of that would have worked in any case. It was only his passionate love towards us that drove him to that point. He didn't want to see us through those eyes anymore. He wanted to see us through the blood of his son. Perfect. That's the new covenant that we have today. Jesus' death on the cross destroyed the power of sin. Jesus' death on the cross destroyed the power of sin. In other words, sin could no longer hold its gun to our head and say, I am sin and nobody can escape me. Only perfection can do that. And since you don't possess the ability to be perfect, I rightfully hold you hostage. You may have wanted to be perfect, but you did not have the ability to live without making mistakes. But God took care of that. He defeated that hold that sin had over us. The gun has been put away. In fact, sin is now just, I mean, it's non-existent. As far as God sees us is concerned. With sin and death defeated, God could now dwell inside of us. The blood of Jesus was enough to wash every sin away. It had to be Jesus. It could be no one else. You know why? Because a sinner cannot pay with his life for the sin of another sinner. He must receive the penalty for his own sins. The only person who would qualify to give his life on behalf of sinners was the perfect Son of God, Jesus. Can we give Jesus thanks right now for doing that? So Easter time is the anniversary really of when God established His long-awaited new covenant. It's a time to be thankful that God destroyed sin and death, that God remained faithful to His Word and His plans where He carried out what He said He would do. And He did put in place a new covenant just like He said He would do, just like He determined to do. As the deacons are handing out the emblems right now.
the grape juice and the little piece of bread, a piece of Jesus' body. As they're doing that, I just want to conclude this message on our new and our better covenant. Tonight, we are going to partake of communion, not to introduce the covenant, but to remember the covenant that we now have. Tonight, we will be celebrating what Jesus did. We will be celebrating the new covenant, a covenant where God gives His righteousness to us in exchange for our unrighteousness, where God gives His health in exchange for our sickness, where God gives His blessing in exchange for our curse, where God gives His life in exchange for our death. In Exodus chapter 12, it records the institution of the Passover when that happened. In the Passover supper, the Israelites were to roast and eat the, fis the fiscal lamb to give strength and health to their bodies in preparation for their journey of deliverance. So God required on the night before they would exit that life, that old life, that life of captivity, that life where they're in bondage to sin, that life that represents the old covenant. When, when they were getting ready to do that, God required that they would roast the lamb, which was a type of Jesus who really would roast in hell in our place. And then He required that they would eat of that lamb. And they would have to eat the entire lamb. They, would, they were not allowed to leave anything uneaten. Nothing was to be left over. They were to accept and receive the lamb completely, which is a type and a shadow of us receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior entirely. And so what happens is, the other reason why they needed to partake of that lamb is so that their bodies could have strength for the long journey of freedom that awaited them, that they were going to embark on. And in the same way, we eat of the body of Christ so that our bodies can be whole and that our bodies can be strong so that we are able to journey along the path of freedom that God has set out for us. The element of the cup represents the shed blood of Jesus that ratified the new covenant. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The cup represents a whole new way of life for the Christian. A whole new way of having a relationship with God. There are no rules and requirements. There is no expectation from God's side for us to earn our right standing with Him. This is an entirely different way of God being with His people. And we get the benefit of that. We get to enjoy that. We get the victory of the better covenant. He can also 
That's right. As a result of this new covenant, God can also walk, or at least, excuse me, we can also walk in spiritual blessings that God has in store for us. We can have an intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father. Do you know that in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, there were only a very few select people that were allowed to have this kind of intimate relationship with God. There were a very select few of people that were allowed to go into His most holy presence. We did that tonight. And we've done that. No one's fallen over dead. Because in the Old Testament, if they were to come into His presence and they had not prepared correctly, it would cost them their life. Today we are able to enter into the presence of God without any fear of danger, if I could say it like that. We can come freely and boldly, not just, not like worms, not like uh, people who feel so undeserving. God is saying, you can come into my presence freely anytime you want and you come in boldly like I am your father you come into my presence boldly like your children are able to walk into your presence at home without having to find out if they can meet with you at a certain time and then go through a whole bunch of rituals in order to prepare themselves to come into your presence that is not necessary with God as a result of this new and better covenant that he has put in place with us so as we celebrate the covenant tonight, I want you to check your motives. Make sure that you're not just going to be drinking some juice that represents the blood of God and eating some uh, uh, crack or some uh, bread that represents His body. I want every one of us as we partake of communion tonight to just take a moment and ensure that we are doing this because we really want God to know that we remember what He has done for us. This whole weekend has been a weekend of remembrance for what Jesus did on the cross and the love that God displayed for us. And as we've read a couple of scriptures concerning this covenant, we see so clearly that God was the one that really put everything into it. All He requires from us is to believe what He has done for us. All He wants from you is to believe that as we partake of this, uh, uh, this wine and this, or this grape juice and, and the bread, that we are uh, um, establishing, we believe there is a covenant between us and God. That we are establishing that we believe that God will never leave us, that He will never forsake us, that He will always ensure that we have everything that we need. That God will cause us to have victory in every area of our lives. That God would give us the health and God would give us the direction and God would give us the freedom and He would give us that husband and that wife and He would deliver our children and He would do all of these things as a result of this new covenant that He has put in place with us. As we partake of that, we can show God just in our hearts that we believe everything that He has done for us. And we do this with a grateful heart. Has everybody got the juice and the bread? In 1 Corinthians 
chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. This is a very well-known portion of Scripture as far as communion is concerned. It says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. I have mine too. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we take this bread, I want you to, I want you to exercise your faith and connect with God. See this as an opportunity for you to exercise your faith for a healthy life that lies ahead. For a healthy life so that you can live out everything that God has prepared for you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing your body to be broken and marred so that we can be whole and victorious. So as we partake of the bread right now, we thank you, Lord, for the body of Jesus. your covenant right to walk in victory, to walk in health. It's your covenant right. For those of you at home, I'm sure that you are also enjoying the communion with us. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So this little glass that you hold in your hand with the grape juice inside of it represents the blood of Jesus. It represents every one of your sins being washed away. It represents His life being drained from His body so that we can live in eternity with Him. That's what this represents. It represents a promise from God to never leave us nor forsake us. A promise from God to never again remember our sin. A promise from God to make us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. A promise from God that we are as righteous as what Jesus is. That's what this represents. So as we take, as we drink the wine, the juice, let's just thank God for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Your blood shed so that ours would never have to be. Praise the Lord. Jesus said that as often as you drink it, we remember him. For every time that you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. To announce God's death really is what the salvation prayer is all about. And that's what we have done tonight. And so, Father, we just want to say that today we remember 
that you gave us your best. Can we all say that? Let's say, Father, we remember that you gave us your best. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.